Thanks for downloading this podcast from RNIB Connect Radio. For some time now, we've been following the development of the Marrakesh Treaty. In essence, it's all about making accessible literature accessible all around the world for blind and partially sighted people. There have been some red tape getting in the way, but progress has been made. Now, joining me to talk more about the treaty, we have with us from RNIB, Dan Pesco. Dan, thank you for joining us. You're welcome. So, Dan, perhaps you could um, give us a little bit of history to the whole Marrakesh Treaty, why it was necessary, how it came around. Sure. Well, as you mentioned in your introduction, there is a need to share accessible format books across borders. The context for this is that only some 1% to 7% of all the books that get published are ever made available in accessible format. It's more like 7% in the UK, which still is not that great, as I'm sure our listeners would agree. And in poorer countries, it can be as low as 1% or less. And what the treaty was seeking to do was to remove the copyright law barrier, which stops organizations like RNIB from sharing the accessible books that we have with other countries that speak the same language and that could use them. And of course, also, the lack of a copyright law would stop us from receiving accessible books from other countries who have collections that we would be interested in in receiving. So this copyright law, was this down to the publishing houses or authors of some of the literature or a bit of a combination of both? Well, what happened is that we in RNIB and other colleagues in the World Blind Union looked at this problem of the book famine, looked at the fact that copyright law was effectively stopping us from pooling our resources internationally and and making an impact on this book famine. And so in 2008, a good colleague called Chris Friend from Sightsavers International and myself organized on behalf of the World Blind Union the launch of a global right to read campaign. And five years of hard campaigning on our part, our being the World Blind Union, meeting with lots of opposition from publishers and others along the way, and many late nights at WIPO, led eventually to the treaty being agreed in June of 2013. So it was a great step forward. It almost sounds as if it shouldn't have taken so long to get there. I would have thought that many countries would be signing up to this, falling over themselves almost to do this, to, to make that you know happen. Well, there were a a group of countries that were very keen to do just that from the outset. Uh, It has to be said that making UN treaties, this was done at the World Intellectual Property Organization, which is a UN body, and getting agreement amongst the world's countries on anything takes time. We were disappointed with the opposition we faced, but the reason partly for that is that this sets a precedent. It's groundbreaking in terms of changing international copyright law in this way to allow access rather than to further strengthen protections for publishers. So all of those things meant that it did take some time to achieve but it's still relatively fast for UN treaty making you you may be surprised to learn we got the treaty and we were delighted about that but much work remained after June 2013 I mean just one of those figures Dan you mentioned at the start less than 1% books or literature in accessible format in developing countries when you think that literature you know we're talking education here i'm thinking primarily for children young people even adults with visual impairments crucial to get your hands on information documents in your preferred format to really improve people's lives 
That's absolutely right. And when we were campaigning for this treaty, we were saying to the delegates uh, sat in Geneva that whilst they deliberate over this, there are blind and partially sighted young people and indeed adults, as you say, around the world whose education is suffering because they can't get access to books coming from other countries, books and information that would help them to, to, to get their education sorted out. And we actually had one or two people with us at various times through that campaign who had experienced the most unbelievable situations where they'd had to spend years and years and years studying where others would have spent two or three years doing the same course because they couldn't get access to books. They'd had to have numerous different readers come in to help them. And it was just totally unnecessary for those people to have spent so long battling to get an edu education that others take for granted just because of a lack of accessible books. And that, that lack of accessible literature, that I would imagine could be compounded as well by the ability to physically make other copies because it can be expensive to make digital books and braille books. That's absolutely right. And one example that we gave when we were campaigning was the fact that and this is obviously not so much in the realm of education, but entertainment is, is also an important factor. So one of the Harry Potter books, the digital accessible version of that Harry Potter book was produced in parallel in five different English-speaking countries because we couldn't just produce one digital format that could then be rendered into Braille and other accessible formats as needed and share it across those countries. And that cost thousands of pounds for those other organizations in different countries that were having to effectively do the same work to create that accessible document. And that money, if we had at the time been able to share that one digital file across borders, that money could have been used to make further accessible copies of other books. So you can see how, how this makes no sense. Absolutely. So what is the latest stage then of the treaty? Well, the treaty was agreed in June 2013, but for it to actually come into force, it needed 20 countries to ratify the treaty, ratify being jargon for essentially adopting it into their national law and then confirming to WIPO that they have done so. We now have over 20 countries that have done so. At just a little technicality, it required 20 countries plus three months to elapse before the treaty would actually come into force, i.e. be applicable. And that point was reached. So the treaty is now in force, which is a fantastic achievement, but we need now for all countries in the world to ratify, i.e. adopt it into their national law, so that all countries can use it and books can be shared. So at the moment, those countries who have signed up will be able to share? Those countries that have ratified the treaty will now be able to share books among themselves. Already there have been some exchanges of books, for instance, in Latin America under the terms of the treaty, which is fantastic because, after all, we campaigned not for a treaty, but so that we could have the exchange of these accessible books and make a difference to people's lives. So that's the most joyous part of this is to actually hear now that books are being exchanged. Dan, it is great news and we do hope that more countries do sign up to this to, to achieve truly uh, global accessible literature. We will continue to follow the story, but for the moment, uh, Dan, thank you for updating us on RNIB Connect Radio. You're welcome. Thanks. For more downloads like these, visit rnibconnectradio.org.uk slash podcasts.